What is the relationship between gut microbiome and depressive symptoms? Find out about this and more in today's PV Roundup podcast. We'd like to hear from you. Are you a doctor, nurse, pharmacist, or other medical professional with a great journey to medicine story? Tell us your story of how you got started in a medical career for an opportunity to be featured on the podcast. Send an audio recording of up to four minutes of your journey to medicine story and include your name, degree, specialty, practice setting, and location. You can also submit a text version of your story and we can read it for you. Email your story to us at editorial at for a chance to be featured on a future episode. I'm your host, Senior VP Medical Director, Dr. Tim Wright, coming to you once again from the Pioneer Valley in Western Massachusetts. Here are today's stories. In a study published in Nature Communications, researchers investigated the relationship of fecal microbiome diversity and composition with depressive symptoms in 1,054 participants from the Rotterdam study cohort, and then validated these findings in the Amsterdam Helios cohort of 1,539 subjects. They found in this study of 2,593 individuals profiled for depressive symptoms and fecal microbiome that there were 12 genera and one microbial family associated with depressive symptoms. These genera were more abundant in individuals with higher depressive symptoms and all other taxia were depleted in depression. The authors explained that these 13 microbial taxia are known to be involved in the synthesis of glutamate, butyrate, serotonin, and GABA, which are key neurotransmitters for depression. They go on to state that their study suggests that gut microbiome composition may play a key role in depression. In our next story, we learn that tumor infiltrating lymphocytes, or TILs, can be successfully generated from resected melanoma metastases in patients with advanced melanoma. This from a phase three multi-center open-label trial published in the New England Journal of Medicine where patients with unresected stage 3C or 4 melanoma were randomly assigned in a one-to-one ratio to receive either TILs or anti-cytotoxic T-lymphocyte antigen 4 therapy, ipilimumab. Of note, the majority of patients had disease that was refractory to anti-PD-1 therapy. The authors found that treatment with TILs was associated with significantly longer progression-free survival, the study's primary endpoint, than with treatment with ipilimumab. And finally, we learned that people who receive one or two doses of the vaccine geniosis for MPOX, formerly known as monkeypox, contracted the infection at a substantially lower rate than unvaccinated people, this from an online publication in the Morbidity Mortality Weekly Report. The analysis found that among 9,544 vaccine-eligible men aged 18 to 49 years in 43 U.S. jurisdictions between July 31st and October 1st, 2022, the MPOX incidence among unvaccinated persons was 9.6 times higher than among persons who had received two vaccine doses and 7.4 times as high among people who had received only one dose. Preliminary evidence indicates no difference in protection between subcutaneous and intradermal administration routes. And that's today's Medical Roundup. Thank you for joining us for this episode of PV Roundup Podcast. For more stories like these, visit us at pvroundup.com to subscribe to our weekly newsletters. Thoughts, comments, or suggestions? Please leave us a review on your preferred listening platform or email us at editorial at pvroundup.com. Subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Pandora, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, or Google. You can also download our Amazon Alexa Flash Briefing, Medical News Roundup, and just ask, what's my flash briefing? Thanks today to Sean Mullen for production assistance. 
Join me next time for an episode where we'll cover the latest stories in the world of medicine.